Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. It was 2014. We were living in Costa Mesa, California, on a street called Avocado. The apartment was a one-bedroom loft built in 1946. Situated in the front unit, it didn't receive much sunlight, giving it was a somewhat dark atmosphere. During this time, my sister and I were living together. She had recently become a young mother, not more than a few months prior. We were both quite young, not older than 22 at the time. Unfortunately, there was a lot of negativity in our home with a tense environment due to drug abuse. Fights and anger were commonplace. Around that time, I started feeling constantly exhausted as if my energy was being drained away. My sister had noticed some odd behavior while I slept in the same space given that it was a one-bedroom loft. She mentioned instances of me moaning in my sleep and even making graphic motions with my body. I found it strange but dismissed it as nothing. However, I was sleeping quite frequently during that period. One day, both my sister and I were at home. She was in the upstairs bathroom vanity area, playing with her son and taking pictures on her cell phone. I was lying in bed, seemingly taking a nap. The layout of the bedroom allowed for a view of most of the room through the mirror in the sink area located outside the shower and toilet section. At the time, my sister didn't think too much of it, but months later, she realized something was amiss. During the months that followed, characterized by my low energy and constant sleep, my sister and I were in different areas of the apartment. It was then that she called out to me saying, Emily, You have to see these pictures. There's something on top of you. Intrigued, I rushed downstairs to see what she was talking about. As I scrolled through the photos of her and her son smiling in the upstairs mirror, I noticed a shadowy figure in the reflection. It appeared to be sitting on top of me while I slept, and I was completely unaware. What caught my sister's attention was that the baby seemed to be looking at something behind us, towards the bed area. The figure was larger than a human, perhaps twice the size or even more. It had a long, skeleton-like leg hanging over the bed, across my pelvic area. Its large arm was rested strategically across my chest, just above my shoulder, as if it were holding me down. From its back, a wing-like appendage extended, and its head had the shape of horns like a wicked brow line. The figure stared at me with this perverted, 
malicious grin, like a skeleton observing me from the side, enjoying the sight of me sleeping unaware and vulnerable. This entity appeared to be a demon of some sort, possibly an incubus or sex demon. At that moment, I realized what I was dealing with. The entity responsible for the anger and constant exhaustion that drained my energy while attached to me. I decided to perform a cleanse using sage. I also prayed to Jesus Christ. Eventually, I made the decision to move out of that apartment. However, I don't believe the demon resided in the apartment itself. Rather, it was attached to me. Once it was captured in the camera, I felt like it lost a significant amount of power over me. Through prayer and acknowledging its presence, it eventually vanished. Over the years, I've conducted research on what I had experienced, and I do believe it was some kind of sex demon that preys on vulnerable women, an incubus of sorts. Unfortunately, the original photos were lost with the phone. I'll start by letting you know that I have had a few experiences after the initial story I'm going to share. It will help you understand and it will all connect together, I promise. They say that during your very early childhood, it's difficult to remember details of events or recall memories, unless they are traumatic or life-changing. I have memories of my childhood earlier than the one I'm about to share, because they are traumatic, but we'll get to that later. The first experience that ties everything together is when I was turning two years old. I don't remember this, but I have a few family members who recall this event like it was yesterday and remember it vividly. I was in my Bubba's living room while my Bubba, mom, and aunt were in the kitchen talking. My uncle Norm, who was married to my aunt who was in the kitchen, had recently passed, and this was only a few days after his funeral. I had walked into the kitchen and interrupted their conversation, like a well-behaved almost two-year-old does. I pulled on my aunt's shirt and told her, Uncle Norm told me to let you know that you do not have to be sad anymore, that he is gone and he's okay, and to let you all know that he is my guardian angel. Remember, I'm almost two at this time. My aunt, clearly shocked and puzzled, asked me what I was talking about and how I came up with this. I told her that I was just talking with Uncle Norm in the living room and that he wanted me to let you know that you don't need to be sad anymore and that he would look after me because he was my guardian angel. Now, we aren't a super religious bunch, so at this point in my life, I honestly would have no idea what a guardian angel would be, but I still experienced a sense of comfort knowing that I have someone checking in on me from time to time. Now, let's fast forward to a few major life experiences that I have lived through. These can either be attributed to me having a guardian angel, or sheer coincidence, or just flat-out dumb luck. Dealer's choice. You can decide for yourself, but it makes me believe I might just have a little figure on my shoulder checking in on me. My mother was married to my biological father, who I consider to be more of a sperm donor. You'll see why. She thankfully got out of the marriage with me in one piece, but I was forced to go back and forth every other weekend 
for several years after the divorce between my mom's house and my bio dad's trap house. We lived in a different state than he did, so when I was forced to go to this hellhole, we would meet on the Pennsylvania-Ohio border to make the switch. One day when I was around 11 years old, my mom and stepdad, who I consider my real dad, were taking me to the border. When I all of a sudden came down with an overwhelming sense of dread, anxiety, fear, and a full-body chills panic attack, I did not want to go back with my biological father. I couldn't explain it to my parents. All I was able to say was, please don't make me go, please don't make me go. When we got there and met my bio dad, I was having a full-on tantrum to not leave with him. I left with my mom and stepdad, and that was the last time we heard from him. Years later, I found out the reason we fell out of touch was because around that time when I was 11 or so, he and his wife were charged with sex crimes against the most vulnerable. They were labeled sexually violent predators, served several years in prison, and had to register as sex offenders. So basically, as the timeline would have it, around the time I had that panic attack that I couldn't explain, he and his wife were committing unspeakable acts against others in the home, according to the court documents I obtained. So for this, I would say, thank you, Uncle Norm, as it seems that, as the figure on my shoulder, you saved me from those horrendous and unfathomable crimes. Moving on to around the age of 16, I was in school and didn't drive myself that day, as I was supposed to ride home with a friend and hang out with her after school, and she would drive me home later that night. My mom had called the school, rather than me since this was the mid-2000s and I didn't have a cell phone. She called to tell me that she would be picking me up shortly, because she completely forgot I had a dentist appointment. Since I didn't drive, I was getting picked up and couldn't go with my friend. Annoyed, I got picked up and told my friend I would talk to her later. When we eventually talked, I found out that when she was driving home, she was T-boned at an intersection because someone ran the red light. She walked away with a scratch and nothing else. The cop on the scene told her that the guy who ran the red light squarely hit the front passenger side door so hard that if anyone had been with her, they would have died. I basically escaped death that day. To leave you on a lighter note, in my junior year of high school, right after I took the SATs, I went on a family vacation to my aunt and uncle's house in Florida. On my last full day there, my cousin and his friend decided to take a drive and go to the beach. At a random intersection at a red light, I looked over at the Wendy's drive through across the intersection of a busy four-lane road, and I couldn't believe my eyes. I saw my high school crush. Panicking, I called his house and talked to his mom. There's no way that actually could have been him. But I found out that he actually wasn't home. He was in Florida. Not just Florida. The same city I was in. She gave me his friend's cell phone number, and I called and told him that I was so conveniently in the same city. 1,300 miles from our hometown. We met up later that night, had a nice walk on the beach, and had a mini date as I was leaving the next morning. And now we have been married for 12 years, together for 15, and have two amazing children. Do I have a literal guardian angel? Or is this how life is supposed to be? 
or do things just conveniently or coincidentally happen? Is there a reason behind it? Also, to take a quote from another great podcast, to my biological sperm donor, I haven't seen or spoken to you in nearly 23 years, and another 23 years isn't nearly long enough. So let's not meet. November 19th, 2015 was the worst day of my life. It was the day my beautiful mother left this earth. My mom exuded light. Her smile could fill an entire room. So when I went to sleep on November 20th, I knew the dream I had was real. My mother passed away from a coronary heart attack caused by a lifetime of smoking cigarettes. Other than that, she was quite healthy. That night, on November 20th, I fell asleep, likely under the influence of anxiety medication and sleeping pills. The overwhelming feeling of loneliness hadn't fully settled in my stomach just yet. I drifted off and found myself in the kitchen of my mother's house, just a few feet away from where I had found her the night before. She was smiling. Standing beside the kitchen table, her boyfriend Charlie sat in a chair next to her. She was glowing, not with a white light, but with this joyous radiance. It was the kind of glow you see on an expecting mother or someone who just won the lottery. Mom, I asked, is this real? Are you dead? She let out a sigh and looked towards her final resting place. Yeah, I messed up, she said. Like a child, who had crashed their bike and knew that they should have been wearing a helmet. Are you okay? I inquired. She mustered up some courage and replied, Yes, I'm fine. It didn't hurt. I wish I could say that in that dream we hugged, talked, and spent some time together, but I don't remember. Complex PTSD has a way of making you forget. These days when I dream, I can't recall anything. I can't remember a single detail. However, the other night, I was transported to what I can only describe as another dimension. In this dream, I could feel. My body was warm, tingling, and safe, yet also filled with nervousness. It felt like I was in space with no room or walls. I was surrounded by ever-shifting geometric patterns, that never solidified into any kind of specific shape. I wasn't alone. I could sense that something else was there with me. This is where your mother is. These words translated into my mind without being spoken. An invisible godlike entity projected messages directly into my head. Suddenly, the geometric patterns that comprised the dream ceased. I found myself lying in a white room. Discomfort dissipated, and everything appeared blurry. I couldn't see myself, only a fogged, glass-like substance above me. This is where your mother is. Is that okay? The entity asked. No, I replied. No, this is not okay. 
I want her back. Discomfort surged through me again as if I could vomit and have a panic attack at any moment. Then a figure emerged, floating face down on top of the glass as if resting on me. It had the shape of a human, but it was a mere essence. It was as if I were witnessing someone's energy manifested in bodily form. It was my mom, suspended above me with a glass table between us. A finger touched the glass and wrote, I love you. This is where your mother resides. Your physical body cannot come here. Is that okay? Boomed the words in my mind once more. Gradually, I began to understand. This place was safe, and my discomfort stemmed from the fact that I shouldn't be there. I couldn't be there. Not yet. This is where your mother is. Is that okay? The voice asked again. Yes. I responded somehow telepathically to this voice. I lifted my hand and reached for the glass where the message had been written in fog. It was a struggle. I could barely lift my arm. Nonetheless, I managed to write, I love you too. I felt myself smiling and wondered why she had gone through the effort of writing out the entire message. The voice repeated, This is where your mother is. Finally, I felt at peace with her presence, so I signaled to that voice that it was okay. I woke up, tears streaming down my face. I felt everything all at once, my grief, loss, and spiraling depression. The pain in my heart from not being able to be with my mom was unbearable, a constant ache. However, I received her message and I'm grateful that she received mine too. Pam often visits me when I'm awake. She manifests herself through my son's toys going off while I clean, the scent of her distinct perfume, and hearing Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jacks playing in Walmart. I know it's her way of letting me know that she's okay. She wanted to provide comfort, and she did. If you're not familiar with what lechuzas are, it was explained to me by my grandmother as a human-sized owl that has wings of great length and a human face. When I was little, at a barbecue with my family, the discussion of it came up among the adults, and they were all talking about their experiences, if any. My dad was talking about how he saw it when he was younger, on a telephone wire, in broad daylight. It got me really curious about what they were talking about. I asked my grandmother about it, and she explained what it was and shared her theory of why each of our family members sees the lechuza. It kept me thinking, when would it be my turn to see it? The theory is that my uncle, who is a witch doctor, is the one who is sending this foul being to our side of the family. The only reason why I don't believe that is because my dad told me that before he and my uncle arrived to perform an exorcism, my uncle told him that everything he does is fake and to try not to laugh. 
But boy, is that exorcism a whole other story. It put my uncle in his place. My family never accepts any gifts and keeps away from my grandfather's side of the family. Anyway, my first experience with the lechuza was at my grandparents' house. Once again, we were having a barbecue. It was my grandparents, dad, sister, two uncles, and myself. Everything was going well with lots of food and drinks, until my dad sternly looked at my sister and me and told us to go inside immediately. As a young kid, I protested and asked why, but my dad kept walking towards me, used his body to push me inside the house, and just kept telling me to go inside right now. While all of this was going on, I could hear my grandmother yelling for salt and pepper, confusing me. Why in the hell did she need that, and why did she sound so angry? The whole family went inside as my grandmother threw salt and pepper at the lechuza, cursing it out in Spanish. Apparently, that is how she was told to deal with it. As my grandmother was fighting the good fight, we were all huddled in the kitchen, looking through the window at her. Everyone was pointing at the tree where the bird was and freaking out. Now that I was in safety, my dad told me what was going on and pointed at the tree. Unfortunately, I was too short and couldn't see over the counter through the window. I just blew it off and was more concerned about when I would be able to go back outside. But after 10 or 15 minutes, I suppose my grandma came back in and said it was gone and the celebrations continued. The second experience happened when I grew a bit older, probably around 16 or 17 years old. So what happened was, I was in my little GMC Sonoma with what was my then-girlfriend, who is now my wife, parked inside her mom's apartment complex. Her mom didn't really like me, and still doesn't, so we used to hang out in the truck. We were sitting there, listening to music and talking all night as usual, always in that damn truck. We both had the windows down because we were smoking a cigarette, when we heard the strangest sound coming from a crowded area of trees. To this day, I cannot explain or mimic the sound it made. Sometimes I just sit and think about it and, like an idiot, try to make the sounds it made. But it was such a creepy, weird sound that it made me and my girlfriend sick to our stomachs. We were struck with fear. We hadn't even seen the thing yet, and my girlfriend ended up opening her door and started vomiting. I also felt like vomiting, but I refused to. I started rubbing her back as she was throwing up, and I was looking out of the car, trying to find what was making that noise. Finally, I spotted a massive, bird-like figure perched on a tree, but only for about two or three seconds. Then, I saw it spread its wings and jump out the opposite side of the tree where I couldn't see. That was a wrap for the night. I walked her to her door, made sure she got home safely, and I had the luxury of driving by myself back home. I'm cool with ghost kind of stuff, but man, the lechuza gets in you and makes you feel uneasy, terrible, sick, and so much more. Can anyone relate?
My then boyfriend and I lived together, sharing a common interest in horror movies. We enjoyed watching them and even had friends over to share ghost stories, which was a popular activity in my culture. For the first few months of living together, we didn't experience anything paranormal. However, one night, we heard strange noises coming from the kitchen as if someone or something was handling the tableware. This was the beginning of the nighttime noises in the kitchen and living room, as if an intruder was in our home. Curious about the source of these sounds, I decided to set up my iPad in the living room, using a sleep talk recording app. The next day, when I played back the recording, I was startled to hear a crying-like, high-pitched humming sound. Little did I know, this would become significant later on. My boyfriend would typically leave for work before me and rarely used the kitchen in the mornings. One morning, I woke up to find myself alone at home. As I entered the kitchen, I noticed that the water was running in the sink. I turned it off and texted my boyfriend, asking if he had forgotten to turn the water off. Surprisingly, he hadn't even been in the kitchen at all that morning. This discovery frightened me, so I reached out to my cousin to have somebody to talk to and alleviate my sense of loneliness as I got ready for work. I kept her on speakerphone while I prepared for the day and continued texting my boyfriend. At one point, my cousin asked, What's that noise? I attributed it to the sound of my fingers tapping on the phone while texting. However, she clarified, mimicking the exact sound recorded by my sleep talk app. Only my cousin heard it, but it sent shivers down my spine. I couldn't bear to be alone in our home, so I asked my best friend to come over in place of my cousin. I called him while already outside, and fortunately, he was able to join me. Upon entering the house together, we discovered that the water in the kitchen was running again. I turned it off and hurriedly rushed getting ready, desperate to leave the house as soon as possible. From that point on, I couldn't bring myself to be alone in that house anymore. Although the water stopped turning on by itself, other peculiar incidents occurred. On one occasion, I witnessed the top of our laundry basket fly off as if someone had slapped it, followed shortly after by the lid on the washing machine opening on its own. We had an extra room designated as our gaming room, and one evening, while I was playing video games in there, I heard a sound coming from near the washer. My boyfriend's voice suddenly yelled out in anger, exclaiming, It's messy. This surprised me, as he had never raised his voice at me before. I asked him what he meant, and from the living room he responded with a shocked voice, confirming that he had heard it too. Another incident involving our voices occurred while I was in that gaming room. My boyfriend in the living room called out, Yes, honey? Confused, I informed him that I didn't say anything. He then told me that he heard my voice say, Babe, as if I had lovingly sung it to him. These are the episodes I can recall experiencing during our year of living in that house. We couldn't help but wonder if our frequent consumption of horror movies unintentionally attracted this kind of energy. I don't know, what do you think? On a side note, I was quite meticulous about cleaning back then.
as it served as a coping mechanism for a personal issue I was going through. Therefore, I just couldn't understand what the entity found messy in our home. I've never fully told anyone this story before, so it'll be nice to get off my chest. When I was 12 years old, I attended a wedding in an old Catholic church. I'm not sure how it happened, but I picked up a shadow man while I was there. For a long time, I didn't know what I was seeing, and it actually scared me. And although I did see him in my dorm room when I was in college, he never entered my room. So I became accustomed to seeing my shadow man at unpredictable intervals. Sometimes I went months without seeing him, and sometimes I would see him multiple times in one week. Eventually, I did some research and learned that no one really knows if shadow men are good or bad. After what's happened in the last few years, I'm convinced. Mine is good. When I was 25 years old, I was pregnant and my husband and I lived in an old townhouse. It wasn't the nicest place and was on the edge of the bad part of town. But it was affordable, our neighbors were nice enough, and we mostly kept to ourselves, so we didn't mind living there for a few years. We had been there for about two years without incident before I got pregnant. One night, when I was about five months along, my husband and I were in the living room playing Xbox together. I was in the recliner with a blanket over my lap when I felt a burning on my leg. I pulled back the blanket and there were three long scratches just deep enough to draw blood on my thigh. Both of my dogs were lying on the floor, my cat was on the back of the recliner, and I hadn't moved my legs at all, so we weren't sure where the scratches came from. I have fairly sensitive skin so we just kind of brushed it off, patched up my leg, and went about our night. About three weeks later, I was home alone while my husband was at work. I was in the living room folding laundry, and all of my pets were in the living room with me. I heard a small bang come from the kitchen, followed by the sound of breaking glass. I rushed to the kitchen, and there was green glass all over the floor. I collect depression glass. You know those clear, green, wavy glass dishes? Well, the cabinet that I keep them in was wide open. That's the bang I had heard, the cabinet door hitting the wall. And one plate was now in pieces on the floor. I brushed it off again and cleaned up the glass. We live near a fault line that's overdue for an earthquake. Maybe it was a tremor. I mentioned it to my husband when he got home that night, and he had a similar reaction to me. Maybe it was a tremor. When I was seven months pregnant, I was once again home alone, and once again taking care of laundry. We kept a baby gate at the top of the stairs to keep the dogs from going up there without us, and as an effort to prevent me from walking down the stairs at 3am when I sleepwalk. It was a metal baby gate that was anchored into the wall, and it took a decent amount of force to close it properly. Again, all of my pets were downstairs with me. I heard a thump, and then the sound of the baby gate slamming shut. 
It made a very distinct sound. I had left the baby gate open so I could carry laundry upstairs. I went to the bottom of the stairs and sure enough, the baby gate was closed. I decided to investigate, telling my dogs to stay. The thump I heard was the linen closet shutting. It wouldn't have been able to close on its own. We had thick carpet upstairs, and the bottom of the door drug on the carpet when you closed it. I checked both bedrooms, the closets, and behind the shower curtain, just for good measure. All the windows were latched, and nothing seemed out of place upstairs. Again, there seemed to be no explanation, so I tried to shrug it off and decided to go back downstairs. About a third of the way down the stairs, my body suddenly felt ice cold. Strange because the air conditioning wasn't on since it was the end of September. And even if it had been on, there weren't any vents nearby and our staircase had a wall on each side. When I'd made it halfway down the stairs, I felt a very distinct push in the center of my back. Like a large hand had pushed me between my shoulder blades as hard as it could. I stumbled a few steps and luckily caught myself on the handrail. So other than a sore muscle in my arm, I was okay. Trying to get my bearings, I saw him. My shadow man was at the bottom of the stairs. It was the first time I had seen him in full vision. Usually I would just see him in my peripherals or as I turned my head out of the corner of my eye. And it was the first time I had seen him in my house. He was tall and slim and seemed wavy or cloudy around the edges. No details, just the shape of a man made of shadows. As soon as I saw him, I felt warm. Then I blinked and he was gone. As soon as he was gone, my dogs rushed around the corner and up the first few stairs to me. I sat on the stairs and cried until my husband got home. My husband is not a big believer in the paranormal. I've never even told him about my shadow man, but after seeing me in hysterics when he got home and discovering the faint bruise on my back, he agreed that I could cleanse our house. The rest of my pregnancy passed without incident. My daughter was born in December of 2017, and we continued to live in our townhouse until we bought our first home in September of 2019. I cleanse the townhouse every month and continue that habit now in our new home. After that day on the stairs, I invited my shadow man into my home because like I said, for some reason, I felt warm and safe when I first saw him. A bizarre sense of comfort. Now I see him more frequently. Sometimes I see him in the hallway outside of my toddler's bedroom at night like he's protecting her, but I've never seen him in her room. When I had a minor car accident in 2018, he was on the side of the road with me while I waited for the police. And in November of last year, when I had to have one of my dogs euthanized, he was there with me as well. I don't know why a shadow man from a Catholic church decided to tag along with me. I'm pagan. I've read that some people think they are like the ghosts of deceased family members looking out for you, but I can't think of who it might be, and he's also never given any indication of his identity. Either way, I'm grateful for him. 
some people say that shadow men are bad, and maybe some are, but I think my shadow man is good. So a few years ago, I was really into meditation, like I was leaning really deep into it. And this was about the time that I appeared on Sapphire Sandalo's podcast. And well, we were talking about a lot, a lot of different topics and just kind of like out-of-body experiences, all the the whole gamut of things. And I told her like shortly after our interview together that I had a shadow person experience. And it was the one that I've explained on the show where I felt like they were shushing me and the shadow person was shoving their finger into my mouth and my mouth was physically moving. It was really painful. I explained that to her and she agreed with me that it may have something to do with all of the meditation that I was doing and kind of the practice of -of out-of-body experience or astral projection, lucid dreaming, all of it. I was really into it. And she was saying that it could be that you're raising your vibration and kind of opening yourself up to these things. What if they don't like the mantra that you're saying? Well, I, w- I wasn't doing a mantra. It was mostly just clearing my mind uh, okay. type of meditation and trying to relax. Do the do the whole thing where I like relax my body so I can do have an out-of-body experience was really the goal of everything. But I guess because of all of that meditation, it just sort of, like she said, and I agree with her, kind of like raised my vibrations and... And it opened me up to those things and I wasn't prepared for it. Maybe I was in a bad place in my life and they were these evil spirits or whatever that I was seeing when I was having these night terrors, these shadow people visiting me. Maybe they were sort of clinging on to these, the negativity in my life. I was in a really dark place, really, really dark. I was completely lost. And well, recently I've been meditating a lot simply to deal with stress because my stress has been extremely high. I've had a really rough year and it's sort of led to another shadow person experience recently. Instead of the single shadow person in my room, I woke up and had sleep paralysis the other night and there were like five to 10 shadow people in my room. They were circling my bed. A bunch of them. Like a little seance over your race car bed. Exactly. I couldn't move. I was in bed alone. My wife had gone to work. The dogs were outside. It was early, early morning, like barely daylight because my wife goes to work very early. And I, I just couldn't move. It was terrifying. But I've heard a lot of shadow people's stories where somebody will invoke like a positive mantra or even say like uh, the name Jesus. A lot of people will use religious terminologies to sort of banish these evil spirits Mm -hmm. so that's what i did i i heard a story specifically on the mysterious universe podcast about somebody that did this and it worked for them so i did that i couldn't say it but i just kept thinking the word jesus the name jesus and i kid you not immediately when i started they just disappeared and it ended immediately and it felt like it lasted forever i felt like i was stuck there forever in immediate, like as soon as I started thinking the word Jesus, 
they just disappeared and it was over and I woke up. Did they shoot up into the sky? Did they dissipate into thin air? No, they just kind of dissipated. Yeah, kind of wow. like, you know how sometimes when you wake up from a dream and I've done this where I can see like spiders on the wall or something and they slowly mm-hmm. just kind of disappear or something, you know. Um, it was kind of like that, but way, way, way more vivid. And after the Ouija thing with all of these Ouija stories, with what happened with me last time with all of the meditation and getting into the spirit realm, trying to have out-of-body experiences and explore lucid dreaming, I'm changing lanes. I w- I've been about out-of-body experiences, astral travel, all of that for so long. And I think that I'm changing lanes. I think that it's dangerous. Like, maybe not for everybody, but for me, definitely. You're not into it anymore, eh? You're done. Yeah, I'm done, bud. <laughs> wow. Didn't follow proto, I guess. I guess not. Well, maybe you did. Actually, it sounds like you did because your head is in the right spot. You got, well, not a mantra per se, but right. say, evoking the name of Jesus to at least yeah. keep you safe. It appears to have worked. So you're taking all the precautions. That That's really strange that it would happen that way. Very interesting. I wonder if that's happened to anybody else, the multiple shadow people appearing like that. I, it's had to have. Usually we hear of just one individual or like the hat man, but... To see multiple like that. Yeah. That's something else. Yeah. Um, and I'm in a really good place, like mentally and yeah, I guess you could say spiritually. Like I'm like I've really been improving on that aspect of life. Um, mainly because my physical health has just gone downhill this year. You gotta lean on something. <laughs> I gotta lean on something. Uh, that's how it works, right? So let me ask you, would you want an entity in your life if you knew it were a positive one? say, a good shadow man like the story we had ah, yeah. by Mama Bear 182, which we will talk about some more. Um, that was a confused, not necessarily confusing story, but an interesting story. I have mixed feelings about it, but it was it was still a very good story. Yeah, I don't know why they invited the shadow man back into their house. Exactly. It pushed right in the middle of their back. She fell down this flight of stairs and then she invited it to stay for dinner, so to speak. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's what I would do, but... If you didn't sense any sort of evil, more power to you. I hope it's still working out, but I don't think I would want any entity, good or bad. I want to feel truly alone at times, and I wouldn't be able to sit still thinking that there's some trickster spirit hovering above my head or something. Yeah, any spirit in my house, that's a, a good shadow man, a good ghost, a good anything is kind of creepy. I mean, we in my head, I've already got God watching every single thing I do drilled into me since I was a kid. Mm. I can't get rid of that. So it's like, I don't I don't want something else in here watching everything that I do, playing tricks on me. Yeah, no vacancy. Moving my car keys around and crap. Like, <laughs> But yeah, it was an interesting story. I would not have invited a shadow person into my house. Absolutely not. Me either. So I was talking to a friend about our earliest memories that we've ever had. And I think that'd be something fun to talk about. Do you have any memories that you can think of, no matter how mundane or insignificant that come to mind? For me, I can think of two, and I couldn't have been any older than the age of two. One was where I took one of those strawberry hard candies from the Mm, candy bowl at my mm, grandma's mm, house. Those are good. They are. Well, I was in the backseat of my mother's 1988 Corolla trotting down the road and she looked up in the mirror and saw me choking. And I remember this clear as day. She pulled over, yanked me out of the car seat and did some weird 
flipping yoga, back smacking <laughs> stuff, and out came the hard candy. It was terrifying. And again, I wasn't any older than two. I remember this clearly. And it popped in my mind when she brought it up the other day. And then aside from that, again, around the same age, at my other grandma's house, I hope grandma's houses aren't death traps, but <laughs> I reached up and grabbed her hot iron and burnt my Whoa. fingers. I, I specifically remember how tall the ironing board was. It was over my head. I was mm -hmm. a little young tot and then, yeah, burnt my fingers to a crisp. By far the earliest memories I have. What about you? Yeah, grandma's house, it can be dangerous at times. Uh, I will say this. One of my earliest memories, well, I guess I could say one of my earlier memories, and I'm only remembering this because of your hard candy thing. When I was four, I do remember being at church and getting a, one of those hard candy caramels, like a Werther's, mm -hmm. from a friend that I was sitting with. Uh, it was one of the um, one of the Cooper boys, if you guys are listening. I think it was Kevin. Uh, he gave me a hard candy and I accidentally swallowed it. Ooh. It was really big. And when it went down my throat, it hurt really bad and I choked, but it, I got it down. I remember going out into the vestibule area and chugging a bunch of water. Like I climbed up the little stair thing to the water, water fountain. And I drank a bunch of water thinking, oh man, I just got to wash this down. I got to wash it down. You know, four years old. And then I remember my dad coming out there and like going, trying to bring me back into the church, but I was still drinking water. But then when I turned around, I reached up to grab his finger because I was I always held my dad's finger, like instead of his hand. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed some other old man's finger. I remember looking <laughs> up and being so scared uh, because I was some other, some old man I didn't know. Have you done that ever since? <laughs> no, I've never grabbed an old man's <laughs> finger. <laughs> it's never too late to start again. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Just for old time's sake. <laughs> The old guy at McDonald's. No, I uh, I do have a very early memory. And nobody believes me when I talk about this one um, because it's so long ago. I was like one. I was baby, baby, baby Andy. And I remember, and the reason I remember it is because the only time we ever lived in this apartment when I, was when I was like one years old. I remember laying in my aunt's arms and looking up at her thinking, that's not my mom. And kind of getting to know who my aunt was because she was visiting us. It was like the, the first time I think I saw her and that maybe the first time anybody held me that I remember that wasn't my mom. And I remember her holding me and me being an absolute baby, just staring up at her thinking, it's not my mom, but I like her, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, that's, but I do have a lot of really early memories. I and they're all very like short snippets. I don't remember a lot, yeah. but I have these short insignificant snippets of childhood and early, early childhood toddler dumb that I can definitely remember, but that was the most vivid one. Did you ever take mental bookmarks growing up of telling yourself, I'm going to remember this memory. Today's my 10th birthday. I'm going to remember this. This is what being 10 is. Yeah, but I never I have did. so many of those. Aw, <laughs> I have all mine tucked away still. No, I actually don't think that I ever did that. I don't, I don't ever oh. think I told myself, remember this. You're going to remember this forever. I don't think I ever thought like that. Yeah, I remember being like five years old and sitting at a campfire at the cabin, as we talk about often, telling myself, I'm going to remember this moment. And I still do. I remember that looking at the fire and telling myself to remember it. It's a fun thing to do. Well, speaking of grandmas and grandpas and all that, I wanted to bring this up about intuition because we've had some of that mentioned in our stories Kind of a sad thing, 
But as far as our intuition paying off and our sixth sense, this isn't really a payoff. This is more like, I told you so to yourself. But Mm. I remember it like 930 at night, my phone rang and immediately just hearing it ring. I knew it was bad. Nobody ever calls that late. Mm -hmm. And I saw it was my mom. And then immediately, rather than thinking, oh, this could be bad or who could it be? Could it be grandma? Just seeing my mom's name pop up, my brain immediately told me, oh, grandma's dead. She's not in the hospital. She's not sick or anything. It's straight up, oh, this is a death call out of the blue, unexpected. And sure enough, I answer the phone and she just says, hey, honey. I'm like, oh, and I just immediately started bawling. And Mm -hmm. when you have to exchange words, we just or I just knew right off the bat. Do you have any experiences like that? Literally this year. That's how I found out about my grandma. Uh, My mom called me. Yeah, you saw the phone ring and you knew? And I just knew. I just knew that was the call. I don't know why. Something just told me. And and it could have been anything, but you just know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's that intuition, that sixth sense. Something there. There's something with that. I wish wish we knew how to harness that and, you know, control it because it's Mm -hmm. strong. It's a strong feeling and it's undeniable. Yeah, kind of like deja vus. I had one of those deja vus that last too long. Oh, like God. after you realize it's a deja vu, but it yeah. keeps going. It's like, whoa, why am I I'm having a deja vu about this deja vu at this point? Those are weird. I had one that lasted close to a minute where every insignificant sequence of that moment mm-hmm. was still a deja vu in and of itself. It was really weird. I, I was almost panicking. Really strange. The Matrix is glitching a bit I think my first deja vu was at McDonald's in the town that we grew up in Mm -hmm. Uh, we were outside playing in the play place and I remember getting like sliding down the slide standing up it was like daylight outside and it kicked in and it scared the crap out of me I had no idea what was going on I thought it was dying I thought oh Mm -hmm. I'm going crazy you know I was like eight years old and uh, you know a lot of my childhood memories are from that McDonald's for some reason we were there all the time. The good one by the intersection, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were there all the time. Like when the in our era when we grew up, parents just took us to fast food for our dinners, you know, that was just life, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was a thing to do. Yeah. But yeah, we were at that McDonald's all the time and I have a lot of memories there. I remember when I was like 8 or 9, I had a crush on a girl and I told my friend and my friend told me, oh, she's my girlfriend. I asked her out already. <laughs> and I didn't say anything. I like kind of internalized my pain. And then I remember going to that McDonald's with my parents for dinner and I just started crying. And they're like, what's wrong? <laughs> and I explained to them what was going on. And they just kind of like, they felt so bad for me. And it, she wasn't really his girlfriend, right? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I of course think he was not. Just, yeah. yeah he, he's a jerk. <laughs> well, I remember my first girlfriend in like the first grade she had other boyfriends and I thought that was just the thing to do, which it still is for some people. That's okay. But yeah. being six or seven years old, that's that's a lot to take on, realizing that your girlfriend has other boyfriends at that age. That was interesting. During our time, it wasn't a thing that everybody did. No, no. It was, it was a lot more taboo when we were kids. Yeah. Maybe she was just a trendsetter. I don't know. Forward thinking and progressive. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> Empowering. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was fun to go down memory lane. We should um, talk more about some of our (laughs) other memories Uh, when we're not podcasting. I got plenty to share. Oh, yeah. I I do realize that we talk a lot about the past. Our outros are very rooted in nostalgia, which is good. I like that. It's not very future leaning, which is okay. I, I like reminiscing and thinking what ifs and living in that gray area. 
the possibilities. Yeah, it's kind of like technology, though. Things are getting better and better, but at the same time, they're getting worse and worse. Yeah, no kidding. So it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily have any positivity looking into the future. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the philosophy behind cyberpunk, high tech, low life. Mm-hmm. There's a big trade off. It's, it's kind of imbalanced. I'm a little scared for even a decade, decade two or three, we're going to be in for it. <laughs> it's moving way too rapid. I, I think that, uh, a decade yeah. ahead of us is going to be real scary. Let alone a century, if we last that long, <laughs> not to rain on anybody's parade. <laughs> In the words of Motion City Soundtrack, the future freaks me out. But uh, we'll see how it goes. At least you'll have odd trails to keep you company all along the way. That's right. Anyways, thanks everybody for listening. This week you have heard Demon Caught Through the Mirror by Emily, Guardian Angel by Manda, Even in the After by Ellie, Lechuza by Fox Dio Peter, a Neat Freak Ghost by Anonymous, and finally, My Good Shadow Man by Mama Bear 182 All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story to share, make sure you send it to stories at oddtrails.com and we'll take a look. And don't forget, if you want to join our Patreon to get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bitrate, head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails to sign up and support the show today make sure you check out the new episodes of my other podcast let's not meet a true horror podcast welcome to paradise hit sucks and the old time radio cast over at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts we'll see you all next week everyone stay safe peace out Disturb you, darling.